I'll always tell it like it is, that's the bottom line If you just living to exist, you want borrowed time Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no I'll always tell it like it is, that's the bottom line If you just living to exist, you want borrowed time Don't ever let them take your soul, no That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Wahlberg here from the bottom line. And I want to welcome you back. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done an episode. Uh, still a lot going on in the world. We still have uh, a pandemic going on. We have, you know, unrest going on. We have uh, so much going on in terms of in the mental health space and the addiction space. Um, you know, uh, we did an Opioid Youth Summit, a virtual event a couple of days ago, and, uh, and I got new numbers from the DEA about people that have overdosed, both fatal overdoses and non-fatal overdoses. And I can tell you that this pandemic has taken so many people uh, with addiction and just put them in a place where they have been unable to return. And uh, so we keep them in our prayers. And... Uh, but today, we have a very, very special guest, a friend of mine who, as you guys know, most of, my, most of my guests have been people that I know personally. And it's important to me because I know that I know their truth and I know that their truth will be impactful to people. And so um, today we have an NBA Hall of Famer, two times, in the Hall of Fame two times. I didn't know you could do that right? In the Hall of Fame two times, uh, he was on the, the original dream team, right? And he'll tell us who else was on that team because I, I know a couple of the guys, but not all of the guys. Um, but also, you know, has spent his entire life in the limelight and, um, and has been very honest, I think, from time to time about some of the bumps along the way in living in the limelight. Um, but I mean, this guy has done it all in his, in his profession, a professional basketball player who has gotten every award. Um, I, mean, I mean, how do you get – Chris, ladies and gentlemen, my friend Chris Mullen. Chris, how do you get in the Hall of Fame twice? Uh, I snuck in once with the dream. <laughs> yeah. And then went in as a, as an individual play in 2011. Jimmy, it's great to see you, man. You look great. Thank you, buddy. Uh, so so good to see you. And um, good research, by the way. You did a little reading up on my. No, I mean it's all right here. Past. Listen, this is a big. I almost <laughs> broke my my printer on the Wikipedia alone. Right. I mean, this is like 12, 12, 15 pages of usable stuff, and then there's a bunch of stuff that's just numbers, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that. You, uh, oh, let me, I, I have to say, Brooklyn's in the house, right? Is that, do I have to say that? When you come on, do I have to say Brooklyn's in the house? Yep. So just for that, the audience. A, from a guy from New England, from yeah. a guy from New England, we make you guys say that. Oh yeah, well, I bow down to you, brother, don't worry. So <laughs> I, just for, for a little background, so you and I uh, had a mutual friend who we lost not long ago, uh, Penny Marshall. And Penny, a true New York girl, um, you know, she had constantly been saying to me, oh, you got to meet, you got to meet Chrissy. You got to meet Chrissy. You got to meet Chrissy. <laughs> and, uh, and then we finally ran into each other 
in Vegas in a hotel in the gym, right? You were in there putting in work. And, uh, and you know, we would ju I just introduced myself and instantly I felt the warmness. I felt the, uh, the connection. You know, we all, right out of the gate just started talking about stuff, you know, like, because we knew that there was a commonality, right? That we had had, we had traveled some of the same road. Clearly, my road went a whole different way at a certain point. Um, but I appreciated that about you. And that, because I've met a lot of people, right? Being in my life the way it is now and being, you know, having the people that I'm related to and the people, the success that they've had. I've been fortunate to meet a lot of people. And uh, I wish I could say all of them were really nice, uh, but that wouldn't be true. But uh, you was a different thing, man. I felt an instant connection to you. And so it's a joy to have you here. I thank you in advance for just your yes, right? Because like, I'm not a professional journalist, right? I'm not a, I'm not a TV star. I'm not a, you know, I'm just a regular guy trying to carry a message, trying to serve my community, if you will. And, uh, and I reached out to you and you were just like, sure, I'd be happy to help out whatever I can do. And that means the world to me. And I know it means a lot to my audience because many people are, you know, they're living their life and they're sort of keeping things compartmentalized and separate and out of the public eye. And, um, and I think it's important for people in the public eye, whenever they feel comfortable, to share their journey so that people feel that connection they, and they understand that it's not just them and it doesn't just happen somewhere else. So what I'd like to do now, if, if it's okay with you, Chris, is I really just wanna turn the show over to you, right? And I'd love you to take me back to Brooklyn when you were a kid and what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. Yeah, well, Jimmy, so so very appropriate timing, right? With, with like, and you mentioned the pandemic and, and all these things that are going on in the world. Um, and, and as we, we, we kind of apply our experiences to every day, right? How are we gonna, you know, get through our day is part of our experiences in the past. Some of our goals we're looking forward to do, you know, doing in the future. Um, so to me, the whole world is in recovery. You know, when I, when I look at the problems we're dealing with, whether it be racism, uh, you know, inequality, justice for all, Black Lives Matter, all these different uh, incredible things that we're dealing with, to me, if you applied the 12 steps, we'd be in a much better place mm. as a world, as a, as a planet. Um, you know, my, my story has a lot of different twists and turns as, as, as we all do, right? Grew up in a, in a great Irish Catholic family, mom and dad loving. I was a middle of five children, uh, Irish Catholic neighborhood, went to church every Sunday. I had a great childhood. Still have a lot of my best friends are from, from my neighborhood in Brooklyn. Um, in our neighborhood, there were a bunch of pizzerias, a bunch of bagel shops, churches, and bars. <laughs> and the bars, is what, that's what you did when you got mature. You went to right. the bar and hung out with your boys and, and had a good time. And then that's what we did. And it was fine for a while. You know, I'm not one of those guys who look back and not every day was terrible. I had some really good times. I have to admit that. And I liked them. <laughs> that was, that was my, part of my problem is I really liked it. And I, I had that euphoric recall. I can only remember the good times. I could black out the early mornings and get to that nighttime. And, you know, so 
Um, yeah, and then through, through high school, things with you know, like I said, a regular kid going out drinking on the weekends. Uh, and then I went on to St. John's University, played four years there. That's where things picked up a little bit in college. You know, you have more access. Uh, obviously, being a New York City kid, hanging out in the city in the 80s. We all know how things were rolling back then in, in mm -hmm. Wall Street. Everyone was making a lot of money. Um, so I like to say I did my research in the streets. You know, I got, I got my experience. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of access for me. Um, and was able to keep it uh, not under control, but under wraps because of people were protecting me. Sure. Protecting my reputation. Um, so as I said, as the twists and turns, these things always come back. They're, they're going to come to light. Your actions, your habits, and, and your, your actions are going to come out, right? When and where, we don't know. So lo and behold, after my, my four years at St. John's, um, you know, I was, I was into partying. I, part of my routine was to celebrate. You know, as Irish Catholics, we, we celebrate weddings, we celebrate funerals birthdays, communions, confirmation, it doesn't matter. We celebrate the same way. Right. That was part of my routine. After a good game, we party because we won. After a bad game, we party because we got screwed. It was a bad right. call or something like that. So we always had a reason to, to get together and, and let it all out. That was my problem. That's where I let my emotions out. And it was not real. It was fake. It was false mm -hmm. release of, of emotions. When I came out to California, I got drafted by Golden State, came out to California. First time I left home, really, for any extended period of time. Now I'm by myself. Now I've got to navigate these emotions without, you know, the protection of people covering for me, um, without family around me. So I was kind of out on an island. And that, that's where I got exposed. Mm. So here, here I am, 85, 86, you know, uh, on a Golden State team, struggling away from home. Uh, and these are not excuses. These are the facts, right? So now yeah. you get back to your place. You're by yourself. You have no, what are you going to do? I go back to my routine. Let me get a few beers. Let me hang out. Let me, let me, let me get rid of these feelings. I don't like the way I feel. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk to somebody. That would be weak. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a strong athlete. I deal right. with anything. You know, I make clutch shots. This is what I do. So I'll just deal with this. Those things kept bottling up and bottling up to where it got to the point where for the first time, I wasn't enjoying anything I was doing. You know, I was one of those kids, you couldn't keep me off the basketball court. In this, I was shoveling snow to go play in my backyard. I was sneaking into gyms, breaking windows to get in gyms. Now I'm skipping practice. Part of it's, um, you know, maybe losing all those other emotional things I was doing, my feelings I was dealing with, but I was using, I was drinking, I was hungover. I was just getting to practice. And then I started missing practice. So here I am 20, 23, 24 years old, making great money, living in California and I'm miserable. Mm. And much like the people that always cared for me and maybe protected me, they were the same people that came to me and said, you got a problem, dude. You need yeah. help. And, and you know, it wasn't the first time I heard that. I had heard that, but I never, they had told me I never heard it. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I remember walk. I remember I was in, it was in Alameda, California. I had missed practice. And uh, I was walking with my agent. 
And he's like, you know, what do you like? You just you miss practice today, dude. Like, this is something you love to do. Right. And that's when it really hit me. Something that brought joy to my life and actually was a problem solver for me. Now I had nothing. Mm. There was no answers for me. Yep. And I gotta admit, you know, I was that that was December thirteenth, nineteen eighty seven. And I and I went to rehab somewhat reluctantly, like we most most of us do. Mm-hmm. But was like a last re- I, I wanted some answers. I wanted some some clarification. Like, am I screwed up? Yep. Is there a reason for this? And I and I gotta say, like the, the two biggest things that helped me was getting the, the education and the information of and you you, you mentioned earlier yep. of your family genetics right. you know there's reasons for these things mm-hmm. it doesn't have to all you know and it's not bailout this they're legitimate they make sense yeah and then the educate and then the education of how you can change your daily behavior to change your overall personality these right. personality defects that we have just like I was training to be a great basketball player, you have to train to be spiritually healthy, mentally healthy, and physically healthy, and then finding the correct balance. That's what I've found as I've gotten older, finding the balance of all of those uh, factors. Mm-hmm. And they're all as important. You know, and to me, there was a time in my life when I was younger, I just totally went into the physical spent my life in the gym, practice, and I got direct uh, positive feedback right away because obviously I went to rehab, I came out and I went 30, 40 days in season, came out, I took two weeks and went right back on the court. Mm. And I started playing great. So I got this direct physical feedback, yep. which was awesome. That I think that helped my confidence and yeah, this is working. As time went on and as I got older, being abstinent was one thing and being sober was another. Abstinence was, was, a, was a must for me yeah. to be able to participate in basketball. So I had to be abstinent. But I found out later the difference between abstinence and sobriety. And therein lies the difference between, you know, putting your time into physically taking care of yourself, which is important. That does. There's a certain thing that, that you make feels good, you get a little rush. But then the spirituality part, which is the biggest part for me now. Mm-hmm. And then just mentally, you, you talked about the pandemic, people's uh, men, uh, mental state, right? The, the depression and, and just being thrown out of whack yep. and how that affects people's minds and uh, the decision-making. So uh, over time, when I look back, there was so many different stages, right? Of my, of my not only my career, my life, it, it, natural, we all go through that, right? Mm-hmm. But being able to be balanced, and be, be being prepared for the unknown mm-hmm. and not having that not having that throw you off kilter totally death in the family uh you know kids growing up and having problems all yeah. these different things but the beautiful thing is you mentioned penny you know we've got other mutual friends yeah just like the program the network of people the the, the reliance on other people's stories yeah. Right. That you're not alone, that yeah. someone went through the same thing and they're doing OK. Doesn't have to be perfect, you know, not perfection, progress. Right. And all those different uh, sayings and slogans, as I, as I get older, 
when I was younger, they were just words. I would say them. I didn't know what the hell they meant. I, mm -hmm. They sounded good. So, you know, I heard them as so I said them. But as you live your life that way, and they become, they become your life. That is your life. That's my mm -hmm. life. Right. So when I wake up, I get on my readings. I got four or five books I read every morning. Um, and the great thing about that too is during the call, I might read it in the afternoon. It has a totally different meaning to me. Mm -hmm. The same exact reading has a different meaning to me in midday because of some of the things that have transpired, maybe a few phone calls or whatever's going on in my, in my life, different meeting. But relying on those readings is important to me. Going to Zoom meetings, I got my Heron Project shirt on. I go to Love Zoom that meetings, shirt. are really, really beautiful. Yep. And re relying on people. And, th and that's what, you know, you mentioned the uh, depression and mental state of people. Being, being by yourself and being in your own head has always been a problem for me. Trying to read mm -hmm. someone else's mind yep. is a bad place to be. That's why going to meetings and sharing, listening, right? A lot of times I'm on those Zoom meetings and, you know, look, a lot of those kids are younger, right? Yeah. Than us. But you know what? I always find something. I always hear something mm -hmm. that's applicable to, to my life at that moment. Um, that's why it's just great to be here, Jimmy, to share. Yeah. I said, yes, but I'm, I get something out of this, man. This helps right. me, right? You got to give it away to keep it. Amen. And so the, so your, your audience, um, so the message to me is, is, you know, to me, that you talked about my basketball career. I did well through, through uh, high school and college. When I started my MBA career, it was, it was getting ready to end mm. because of my addiction. Right. It was pretty much over in 87. You got to think back then, not that it's the coolest thing to do, but it's a little more acceptable now to go to rehab. Right. And they got some, they got some nicer places too, I must admit. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I went to a hospital. <laughs> I, didn't go, I didn't go to a spa. I went to a right. legit hospital. Floor number three in, in Sentinella Hospital in Englewood, California. Um, but the access to help I think the willingness, the, the understanding that it's a disease, it's a, the stigma has been lifted a little bit. We should be all very grateful that we can have forms like this right. and be accepted. And so many people, you gain respect. But that wasn't always the case. You know, if you had a drinking problem in the 50s and 60s, you were a bum and you stay away. Yep. You, you were disregarded from society. Right. Now we can share and help each other. And it's probably the greatest gift. You know, Chris Heron, who we, you know, we got yep. a mutual friend there. The things that he's doing, I mean, to watch what he's doing is just incredible. You know, and, and it just makes you want to do that. You want yeah. you to emulate that. Like, sure. Let me, let me be like him. And so, you know, uh, I, I just, my, my biggest thing now is remaining grateful, right? Look, there's some tough, there's a lot of bad things going on. Yep. But sometimes you have to search and force yourself to be grateful for your health, mm -hmm. your family, all the basic things sometimes we take for granted. Um, and then having that balance, finding that balance in life. Now I was gonna say, you know, being, remaining grateful, right? Understand where we came from, never being too far <clears throat> from those tough, tough days. Right. right. And then having that balance to move forward. And being able to share and help others—that—that that mm -hmm. to me, 
is pretty natural. You know, I've, I've been part of a team basically my whole life. Middle child of five, basketball. You know, team, when you're on a basketball team, it's always about finding your role. You want to succeed. You want you want to build yourself up. You also yep. got to do within the context of a teamwork and then not be too overbearing. Right. You know, that's the other thing, too, we talk a lot about in that gray area, right? You want honesty, but not not to where you hurt somebody. Right. And you want to address situations, but you also want to know the right time. I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit better at listening to my to my higher power when I should act, when I should stay back. Um, and that's tricky too, because my personality is, I put, I'll put stuff off. Mm-hmm. So I can use that, as, oh, I'm just being, uh, you know, kind of patient and I'm being right. doing, but also there's, there's a fine line there where sure. you just you're put procrastinating. it off. So, yeah, you're procrastinating. So that, yeah. so that, you know, and then that's, that's where the balance comes from. And I think the more in tune spirit you are, you'll know when to act and you'll know when to speak up. Right. It's not always, but there's a time when, and I think listening to those uh, inclinations and listening to your higher power, when, when, when you're supposed to act, is important because mm-hmm. I've always, again, we all have certain characteristics in our personality which we can hide behind some things too, right? Yep, absolutely. And and finding that balance of being being honest, when to jump into a conversation, when to help. You know, like we all want to help our, our peers, right? Our other mm-hmm. other friends and, and family and whoever, right. your audience. And it's also the way about. To me, it's not always being overly aggressive and, and you know, <laughs> reading the steps and telling what to do. Right, Sometimes right. it's how you act. Right. Just what your, your daily habits, right? That's what yeah. I was saying, too, about this pandemic, all the things we're going through. I just see the 12 steps as the answer to almost anything. Right. Really. I mean, whether it be racism, justice for all, Black Lives Matter, dude. Just because you had, you know, no racist acts yesterday doesn't mean that you're going to act like that today. It's a daily reprieve. Right. What are you going to do today, right? right? Just wake up, have a good day today. You know, make the, the right decisions for you. Treat other people well. And that doesn't just happen. You have right. to work at that. And that, that's the one thing I've, I've, I've really kind of gravitated towards more is Comparing that to, you know, from an athletic standpoint, which is my background, yeah. putting that work into sobriety, into spirituality, and then making it part of your day. If you do it long enough, then that, you know, it's like muscle memory, right? Mm-hmm. Daily habits, man, daily habit. But you got to train yourself. Because we, I know me, yeah. I'm trained the other way. I want to I I go the other way. Sure. I was just here before we got started. I was talking to my guys because you know, I'm educating them as well throughout this, this process of doing all these shows and doing the work that, that we do, um, that, you know, I could easily be that guy again. That guy that I used to be, even though it's been 30 years, I, or 32 years, I can be that guy again. And, and the crazy thing is, is I don't need to pick up a drink or a drug to do that. All I have to do is take control again right? Let me be in charge. Let me start thinking all the great things that are happening in my life is because I'm a great guy. And the truth of the matter is, is that I'm, I'm only as good as my spiritual condition today. 
So today, if I put the effort in today, then I get to be the best me I can be, right? And that's, that's what I'm hearing from you. And, and that's, I think, the best advice that anyone's ever given me, right? In, in these years that I've been around, it's, it's all about today, buddy. Ain't what you did yesterday and ain't what you did last year. It isn't what you did in 87, right? It's what am I doing today to be the best version of me I can be? How am I staying closer to God and how am I being of service? And that's what this is about. You know, this is about being of service. There's no, there's no profit in this, right? It actually will cost a few dollars to do this, right? And it's all good because, you know, we've been blessed to be in a position to do that, to be of service. And uh, you talked about the shirt that you have on. And, uh, and Chris, is a, he's a great man of service, right? He's out there on the front lines every day. And uh, yeah, and he, and, and he, makes, he makes me proud because he's, he's from my side of the country, right? He's from my little neck of the woods up there. And, uh, and he's, he's done some amazing things. Fall, fall River, Fall River. Fall River, Fall River. Uh, but I want to go back a little bit if I can. And I want to talk to you about, you know, when you got to that place, you're missing practices, things are starting to unravel. People are aware. Um, cause it's, it's back. It's many years ago now, right? It's not now you, and you alluded to that, right? This is mainstream. Now people get in trouble, they go to rehab. Right. And it's like part of the operation or the mode of operation, if you will, right? Everybody goes to rehab for many different things, right? But back then, people weren't doing that and they weren't doing that publicly. And you did it during the season. And so was that like public knowledge that you went to rehab to deal with substance issues or was it he's in the hospital or something else going on? No, it was straight out. Part, part of the... Uh... Part of the deal, you know, with, with my parents and my agent at the time was that I was going to come clean or else it wasn't going to work anyway, mm. which was that, and that, that was also the reason it took so long. The right. apprehension, uh, the stigma at that point in time. And so my feelings were 100% failure, right? Lo loser, failure, basically, you know, you're a bum. Right. You let everybody, you let your family down, you let your organization down, you let your teammates down, you coach everybody. Um, again, so as we're going through these tough times, that's how I felt. And that, yeah. that, and they were, they, they were legitimate feelings. And looking back now, as opposed to being like, in my mind, the death of my career, the death of everything I've worked up until that point, it was the, it was the birth. It was the yeah. rebirth of everything. First, like I said earlier, first and foremost, I saw the positive results on the court. But then as I got more into the program, started finding some better balance, I got incredible payback, just just in serenity, dude. Like yeah. that to me, there's no, you talked about being a limelight, being on the dream team, all-star, all these different things. To me, there's nothing better than being comfortable in your own skin. Mm, yeah. And being okay, being okay where you are right now. Right. I'm here with you, dude. I'm, I don't want to be anywhere else right now with you speaking about this topic. I'm not distracted. And I, I, that was the thing when I, I always had to be, well, they, I think they have 
um, they call it what? Uh, it's like this phobia, the missing, uh, missing out. Yeah, yeah, that was my life. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you're missing something somewhere else. Like I'm missing out. Yeah, if I'm here, I, I got you know, I, I got to hit every party. I got everyone's yep. got to know where I'm at, dude. Like being okay with being okay is is an awesome feeling, especially mm -hmm. when you didn't have that. You know, so the simple things in life, right? The, the keep it simple, stupid, right? That old saying. Yeah. Yep. And we talked about one day at a time. All these mm -hmm. things that you know, as you get older, man, it makes total sense, and it gets yep. a little easier to do as you get older. Because, quite frankly, when you're younger. You just got that crazy energy, just yeah. physical energy. But as you get older, when it is easy, it's also, I think, to me, a little bit easier to relay that message to the younger generation. I'm about 28, 29 years old. My, my, my dad's sick, you know, and I'm talking to him about, you want to go to Ireland? Where do you want to go, dad? What do you want to do? And he was like, I just want to sit in the backyard, be with my kids, be with my grandkids. I'm good mm -hmm. right here. And that's mm -hmm. serenity being just okay where you are, to me is such a gift, right? Yeah. That's something to be grateful for. And when you're younger, you always think you gotta go to, you gotta keep moving and keep running around. And, and we all know it's not where you are. It's not who you're with. It's, are you okay with yourself? Right. How, are you, how are you inside? Mm. Are you healthy? Are you spiritually grounded to be okay at this moment? Mm. You know, you said a couple of things, you said a few times about certain things about you that sort of come with age, right? And, uh, you know, like having patience and just, just, just different things like that. And, and it made me think about the fact that if we didn't get this at the tender age that we both got it at, right? So you were a little older than me when you found this gift of recovery. I, I was 22 years old in state prison. Right. And that's when it and and but I related to what you were talking about in terms of seeing the results. Right. Of you getting this gift. Right. And put in working hard and you saw the results on the court. For me, I related to that, but in a very different way. I saw the results in the fact that I went from the maximum security prison to the medium security prison to the minimum security prison. Right. Like the journey is the same. It's just it's just a different playground, if you will. Right. Uh, but I identify with all of that. But it made me think about the fact that if we weren't if we weren't blessed with this gift, we probably wouldn't have got old enough to have the, the wisdom that you just get as being an older person. Right. By living life. Right. And you refer to the younger guys like when you're on the meetings and, and just interacting with younger guys. I mean, I went to meetings. I went to a bazillion meetings, but I didn't grow. Right. I just didn't drink. Right. And I worked on the outside. Right. And because I was more concerned about what other people thought of me than what I thought of me. Right. So I worked on getting some more gold chains and getting a fancy car and getting some nice stuff because I never had stuff. But the truth of the matter is, for a little while, that was evidence that it was working. And it was important evidence for me because prior to that, I couldn't if, if I had something of value, I would sell it to get more. Right. And I was able to hold on to things. And then it got to a place where um, I got to that jumping off point, if you will, that you talked about. Right. About when you realize it's an inside job, it's not an outside job. It's an inside job. It's about how I feel, not how I look. 
right? And not the way you perceive me, but the way I perceive me. And I got to that place and I was at a, I was at a convention, a young people's convention in Atlanta, thinking about jumping off the roof. Five years without a drink or a drug, thinking about jumping off the roof of the hotel, you know? And the only thing I could come up with, Chris, was getting to the ground floor because I couldn't jump off the ground floor, you know? And that was the beginning for me. I, God laid out a plan right there and right for me. I got me to the ground floor, got me into the overflow room of the banquet because I was too cheap. No matter how many gold chains I had, I wouldn't pay the fee to get in, right? And I was in the overflow room and a guy was standing up uh, at the podium and he shared his truth. And uh, I didn't identify with the details of his truth, but what I did was I, I saw how courageous he was in telling his truth. And I felt like here's a guy, his truth was so outrageous too. And I won't share it because it's not mine to share, but it was completely outrageous. And I was like, here's a guy, finally a guy, I, what am I going to tell him that's going to shock him after all that he just shared about himself? And it made me feel safe. And that's that human connection that you were talking about, right? It's that we can open up to another human being and we know that we can't save our face and our ass at the same time, right? We, we got to save our ass, right? Because, you know, the alternative for us is ugly. Hey, guys, Jim Wahlberg here from The Bottom Line. Exciting news. This week's episode is sponsored by my book, The Big Hustle, a Boston street kid's struggle with addiction and redemption. You can find it on Amazon and OurSundayVisitor.com. Check it out. Hey guys, Jim Wahlberg here from The Bottom Line. Listen, I just want to remind you, please make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page at Wall Street Productions. And I also want to remind you, push that little bell. Just push it, man. It takes one second. Then that will notify you when anything's going on with The Bottom Line. Thanks.